What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Round Tripper here on 89.1 WXVU. I'm Pat Zhang alongside co-hosts Matt Wood and Conrad Bayer. How are we doing, guys? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. I'm surviving. Coming up. Surviving. Living through it. Surviving. No, no Ben Moy tonight. No. But, but he's here in spirit, though, as I saw in the text. Oh, yes. He's very much here in spirit. Now, he said he's going to call in later if he can, is off the, the water, off rowing practice in uh, time, but we'll see. Poor guy. Poor guy. But, yeah, so first time back in a while. Uh, so yeah. so how how we all feeling about ba- our re-debut on the radio? Might might be the last show of the year. Hopefully not. Yeah, I was wondering that. Yeah, is, is this the last show of the year? I don't know. Can you do next Monday night? Next Monday. Yeah, I can. Oh. Uh, uh, I'll check the final schedule. I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure I can. I'm still here, and I'm done with finals by that time. What about you? You're done with finals next month. I'm still yeah. here. I will not have taken a final yet. Do you have a final on Tuesday? Yeah. Mm. Oh, so it's but it's at six at night, and it's open note. <laughs> oh, it's oh, oh, you're yeah. coming on the show. Not, right. No. So, so we got one more show next Monday night, then. Uh, we're, we're, we're locking it in. Uh, so second to last show of the semester, then. But, all right, let's get into the shout-outs. Yeah, it's been a while, but we still got to make sure that they're done. All right. So yeah, take a nap. This takes a little while to get through now. I know you like to take a nap during this wood. Yeah, big time. This is a golf <laughs> segment. <laughs> so we got Connor, Jordy, Jules, Shannon, Megan, Joe, Rebecca, Fiona, Emma, Rick, Dan, Jane, Sherwood, Brian, Jack, Sophia, Annie, Elizabeth, Jen, Mike, Rayo, my Uncle Ken, my Aunt I, Marie, Joe, Johnny, Mom, Tad, Bears, Woods, Moyes, everyone and everyone. <laughs> I'm out of breath just going off of that. Thank you for listening to Round Tripper here. Of course, podcast is live every Tuesday morning on iTunes and Spotify. Just search Round Tripper. That is two words. Phone line is open for Skype. Patrick Zhang 315. All one word, all lowercase. We got Jordan Chicarone calling in for segment two about the NBA playoffs. Yeah, should be a good one. Jordan has become a legendary recurring guest on this show. Yeah. He would also like to point out that he is 2-0 and on Lock of the Weeks, and he will be trying to go for 3-0 and tonight. Okay. Good for Jordy. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> Jordan has also helped engineer us to our Frisbee title game on Wednesday. Matt Wood played a big part in the game yesterday. I did. I almost had a... <laughs> you had a sick tomahawk throw. Touchdown yeah. throw, whatever it's called. Yeah. I almost had one, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was offline. It was pretty nice. It's also a pretty big week as well. We've got 21st birthdays for Saad and Dan this week. Yeah. Big week. Yeah. Let's go, guys. Uh, So, huge, huge week. Uh, Good to be back on the radio. But, like I said, it's been a while since we've last been on. Uh, What we saw while we were gone was America's favorite type of story. Redemption story. Virginia rallied from the greatest embarrassment in college sports history to cutting down the nets in Minneapolis in just over a year. Yeah, it's been that long since we've been on. Uh, That 30 for 30 is going to be electric. Oh, but that wasn't all. Tiger was on the prowl at Augusta National and reached the pinnacle of his sport 11 years after he had last gotten there. He was disgraced, he was dead, and he was buried. Not all that long ago. But he paid his penance, and his triumph ranks as one of the great comebacks in sports history. See you at Beth Page Black in a couple of weeks, Tiger. But as we stand here today, we're not looking back at the sins of the past, and we're not trying to reevaluate that. We're looking to what the future holds. It's time to get our crystal balls out as we look ahead to projecting the newest members of the NFL, how the end, how the NBA and NHL playoffs are going to play out, though I can already tell you who's going to win the NBA title. Though the NHL has given us a very wild postseason so far. Ben Moy does not agree with that notion, but you can probably guess who Benjamin thinks is going to win the title. It's a real (laughs) shocker. Um, We're in a time of looking forward. Well, it is springtime after all, but only time will tell how it all plays out. And we are going to start off with the NFL draft. I mean, I guess you start at the top, right? Kyler Murray, your number one pick to the Arizona Cardinals led to the death of Josh Rosen. What do we think? I think uh, for for what they're doing in Arizona now with the, the coaching change and everything, I think it makes sense. Like they did... Josh Rosen didn't have a great showing last year, but that's also because the Cardinals absolutely sucked at every other position too. So you can't put that all on him. But I think Kyler's that just was a, harsh. They had the number one pick. I think it's pretty understood they had a really bad team last year. They have zero offensive weapons. Yeah, Larry Fitzgerald's a hundred years they old. Larry Fitzgerald. He, they don't have an O line. David Johnson like, is again a running back getting older with, as you said, no absolutely zero running or excuse me, zero support through the offensive line. Yeah. So I, I think it makes sense while I don't think we can 
put all the blame like on Josh Rosen, and I think there's still a chance he becomes a good quarterback. Who knows? He went to the Dolphins, so that might not work out for him either. Are you saying the Miami Dolphins are not a pillar of stability? Yeah. Oops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think Kyler will fit the offense they're trying to do. He was a stud in college. He's a freak athlete. Is it weird that they went their first two years in a row with their first pick going quarterback? Yes, but is Kyler the guy that you would make that exception for? Probably. Yeah, my thing with the Kyler Murray pick number one, it's not so much Kyler Murray as a football player because people have doubts about him. Some people love him. Some people mm-hmm. have question marks about him for I mean, obvious reasons. The guy's 195 pounds soaking wet, yeah. five foot ten, five foot eleven. You make comparisons to Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's playing weight is 225. Russell Wilson is thick. You no, know, he's got he got 30. He's got 30, 40 pounds on Kyler Murray. So whatever you want to say about the guy's talent, I he he I do believe he was the best quarterback in the draft and in a league yeah. where quarterbacks do dominate. But if you have a good quarterback, that dictates how good your franchise is. That's fine. If you think he's your guy, take him with number one. My issue with the Cardinals taking him with number one mm-hmm. is not. The fact that they believe they took their their guide, who they thought was going to be the the franchise quarterback of the future, but it was the person that they put in the position to make the decision to take Kyler Murray at number one, being Cliff's Kingsbury, mm. being a super inexperienced, um, has an, never an coached NFL, an NFL coach, game, never coached an NFL game, and has d- done nothing in college that has really made you be say, oh my, like oh he my got god, fired. this guy. <laughs> Yeah, he did. This yeah. guy, this guy is is an, I can see him being an NFL coach. He's deserved to be an NFL coach. So that's my big, big, bigger issue with the pick. It's not so much Kyler Murray as a football player because say what you want about him. If it's if you're a franchise and he's your guy, take him. Take him. Yeah. If you want to take him. I mean, we saw the Giants do that in the with their sixth pick overall. Getting to that in a little bit soon. Which yeah, exactly. But if he's your guy and you believe that he's your franchise mm-hmm. quarterback, you take him. My bigger issue is the Cardinals put a guy in position that I don't think has the right and the experience to be in a position in order to make that decision. Yeah, and I think you nailed it because I have thought the same thing with Kingsbury is that so he's gotten all this press about being the savior coming in. What has he done? Absolutely Why would we think that he's friends with Sean McVay? Yes, he, that, okay. that's all he's done. He runs a spread offense in college. Cool. So does 95% of the country at this point. <laughs> Pat Mahomes went to Texas Tech. Pat Mahomes was not this at Texas Tech. He was a very good player at Texas Tech, but he learned that because he went to Kansas City with Andy Reid and the most explosive offense in the league. Kind yeah. of helps make you look good. It's not Cliff Kingsbury. So I think you're 100% right in giving Kingsbury the reins. Is That is where you can doubt that, this that's pick. My bigger issue. That's my bigger issue with the pick. Kyler Murray, as as himself, I think that if he, I think he can be subject to taking some shots and he's not exactly, he doesn't have the muscle to, I would say, take some of those shots. So he's going to have to refine how he plays. But he's still a very talented player, obviously. It's going to be exciting to see how he retools that offense because not only were the Cardinals bad last year to take a, a, a piece out of Cowherd's book, they were boring. So who cared about watching the Arizona yeah. Cardinals last year? Now, at least they have Kyler Murray. You, I, I don't know what they're going to do with weapons around him because they didn't really add any in the offseason, if we want to look at that. So I'm not sure how much help Kyler is going to have. It's also why I'm not ready to kill Josh Rosen. Yeah, he had a very poor season, 11 touchdowns, 14 picks. But as we said, zero weapons whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. quarterback you can put in that system. You're going to judge him after the top one year five on guys that? in the league. Yeah, are going to do anything. A lot of them are going to struggle. That, that it's just not fair. So uh, with Murray, I understand why they did it. I'm not a hundred percent sold on Murray. I don't think he's going to be a star. I think he's going to be fun to watch. I'm not sure if this is a guy that has a 15 year NFL career. And is yeah, yeah. What's Kyler Murray's absolute that's, ceiling? I, that's my thing. Is I that, can't see him turn into Tom Brady and Aaron. No, I think the uh, best quarterback in this draft was Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. And, in terms of right now, or in mm-hmm. terms of their ceiling, in terms of the most polished guy coming out that I think will be a very good NFL quarterback and could turn into a franchise guy, I think Haskins is more likely than Murray. I think Murray has the highest ceiling out of anyone because mm-hmm. yeah. Murray hits. Hit that is superstar potential. If he doesn't hit, though, this thing's flaming out very quickly. Yeah. No, no, I, I completely agree. I think, Murray, I think you take that risk, but usually when you're drafting one overall, you don't want to take that huge risk. Mm-hmm. You want to get a guy like that you know at least his floor. Dwayne Haskins' floor is much higher than Kyler Murray's because who I knows the that. injuries concerns that could happen with Kyler because, like you said, he weighs absolutely nothing. 
Um, it, he takes a couple hits from those big guys in the NFL, and who knows what's going to happen, especially since he's out of the pocket so much. But yeah, I don't even even if he does hit, I still don't see the way the way he plays doesn't lend itself for like a like you said a fifteen year career. Yeah, my thing with Kyler Murray is that not saying it can't work, but you have to design an entire offense around this guy, yes. which I mean has proven to work with a lot of other teams yeah. in the NFL. Um, but the guys, the, the the players I look at that are just bona fide superstar mm-hmm. quarterbacks: Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger for a while. These big name guys have been around the league forever. You can kind of mold whatever offense you want around them, and they're going to be able to still perform at a high level regardless because they're so talented. You look back, I mean, obviously I had no more about the Patriots than other yeah, teams would. Sure. Um, but you look back to, say, 10 years ago in their offense when they had Randy Moss and all these deep, and then he was a deep threat weapon, West Walker over the middle. Tom Brady was airing the ball out down the field every third snap, it felt like. Like, he, they were they were very much a down-the-field throwing team, and then they've slowly evolved into a Cause short, they've had to, and short dink, and dunk, mm-hmm. dink and dunk team, and it's worked. So you see two, exa- two polar opposite um, styles of offense, two polar opposite schemes, but they still work because Tom Brady is that good of a player. Aaron Rodgers, the same exact way. Yeah. They had Jordan Nelson, deep threat guy, Randall Cobb, deep threat guy. Both mm-hmm. of them are old. Both of them are gone. Devontae Adams comes in. They have to pick up some new receivers, and then you've seen their offense shift a little bit. They run the ball more now. So I'm not saying Kyler Murray can't work. Just you got to put such a specific scheme around him, and it takes the not only the right scheme but the right coach in order to implement that scheme to do it. And that comes back to Cliff Kingsbury because I don't know if he's necessarily the guy that can do that. And, again, no one's seen the, – they haven't played snap yet in the NFL. Yeah, like, yeah, sure. The Cardinals under Cliff Kingsbury. So this is all speculation, but there are a ton of question marks going into a guy that when you take number one overall, you would like to think he's a surefire lock to be in the league for 10 to 15 years and make a few Pro Bowls. Yeah. And, and I think that's very fair, and I think, as we said with Murray, a lot of it's going to come down to, A, the scheme that they run, which Kingsbury should fit him pretty well, but it's about the weapons you get around him, too, and those are lacking right now. So sticking with the quarterback theme, We'll go to the one that everyone has debated over the past uh, the past couple days. Daniel Jones goes to the Giants as the sixth pick in the draft. Do you want me to start or do you want me to finish? You can finish. Finish. All right. Start. All right. I, as just not really having a dog in this race like Pat does, I think it's a terrible pick. I Because I just think Haskins is the better quarterback, and they're very similar in-the-pocket kind of guys. You look at their completion percentages – in college, their touchdown to interception radio ratio, and Dwayne Haskins is far and away light years ahead of uh, where Daniel Jones is. Yes, you can factor in it was Ohio State. Yep. The weapons are more around Haskins. His offensive line was fantastic. Um, and then Daniel Jones at Duke, you don't you don't have that. You have kind of like second tier, third tier guys because Duke's not exactly a powerhouse for football. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you have to factor that into it. But I just think. Dwayne Haskins, at least, at least he's he's played at a higher level because like the Big Ten in Ohio State, that's a, that's a higher level than playing at in the ACC with Duke, um, and I just think that helps then shape an NFL quarterback rather than having playing at Duke. Um, but the one concern with maybe Haskins, we'll talk about this a little later though, because he did play at Ohio State with such great players, he was more of a first read kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see where that could be Daniel Jones's advantages because he he had to go through more progressions and is able to read a defense better. But I still think Dwayne Haskins at, at six is a much better fit than reaching on Daniel Jones, who could could be nothing. Like he played at Duke, yeah. it's it's a lot tougher to make that transition. Yeah. So my thing with the pick at six. You can say what you want about about Dwayne Haskins versus Daniel Jones because, like Conrad just said, Dwayne Haskins did have he had far superior numbers yeah. than Daniel Jones. But again, you factor in what what kind of team he's on. The Ohio State puts up sixty points against a no name team. That's how he's going to play numbers, things like that. Fine. You can argue which which quarterback you personally think is better, and which which NFL executives think sure. which quarterback is better. From what the Giants have said, Daniel Jones was was their best quarterback available, other than Kyler Murray. That's what yeah. they have publicly mm-hmm. come out and say obviously they're gonna defend the guy they took at six um my thing with the pick is that if you like your guy so much and you really think he's he's your guy the franchise franchise player of the future take him take him when you went when you want when you think you can still get him when you know you can still get him and that was at six the next pick wasn't until 17, 17 in the draft i know some people argue that he might have still been there at 17 based on how the rest of the draft panned out 
My thing is, is that say the Giants don't take him at six, say the Giants take a, a Josh Allen at six and wait and pray that their guy gets there at 17. What if what if the Redskins then are forced to take Daniel Jones because Dwayne Haskins goes at 10 or something like that, right? And then you're the New York Giants, and you're saying, all right, we could have had our franchise quarterback. Now we're at pick 17. Grant said they didn't trade up or anything like that. Now we're at pick 17. Our the top two quarterbacks in the entire draft are off the board, and now the next quarterback available is Drew Locke, who by every scout's estimations is a second, third round kind of guy. He went, he won the second round of the mm-hmm. draft, but he's, he's a big tier difference than, than this Haskins and Haskins and Daniel Jones to an extent. So I can understand why they took him at six. Um, it's more of a question of, again, their, their scouts and their talent assessors on the, the Giants um, organization. They hit last year on Saquon Barkley. They, they, they took him because they, they thought he was the best available. He was offensive player of the year, but there were, there were admittedly quarterbacks that were drafted after Saquon Barkley that were very good, mm-hmm. and so I commend the Giants taking their guy again that they believe is that they believe is the best player available that they need for their team. Um, similar to what they did Saquon Barkley yeah. last year, it worked out last year. Do I think it's going to work out this year? I don't know, but I do commend them on taking the guy that they believed was the best at the time. Whether or not you agree with his actual talent, yeah, and interesting. And I, I was hoping that that you both were going to go go against it a little bit because I have come around on it and that I agree that if, if that's your guy, you get him. And yes, I think that it's things that Josh Allen was on the board. That's the one that hurts because the giants pass rush has been basically non-existent. They traded Olivier Vernon to open up cap space, be able to get more picks back and restock, which I totally get. So I, I think the debate is more, it's not even Jones. It's more quarterback versus defense for what was going to be more important. But the problem is with that premium on the quarterback position, I think you pull the trigger there. At six now, looking at it, and then going to your scenario too. Say they take Josh Allen at six, which of course would have loved because I think Allen is a tough. very, very reasonable yeah. to think that they, he would have gone at six. Mm-hmm. You take Allen at six. The Giants are sitting at seventeen. They would have had to trade up to be able to Absolutely. get Jones because Jones would have Jones and Haskins would have been, been gone by seventeen. Then by doing that, you lose either a Dexter Lawrence. Um, B, DeAndre Baker, or C, both of them, who the Giants were able to draft, who are two players that will come in and make an impact from day one on the defense. So, yes, instant reaction to this pick was, oh my God, what have they done? But it makes sense in the terms and in the vacuum of, this is your guy, you go take him. He's David Cutcliffe's protege there at Duke. It's not like he had a poor season. 22 and 9 again playing with the talent at Duke. He finished his career with 52 touchdowns, 29 interceptions, a 60% completion rate. That's playing against Clemson and the Miami yeah. defenses as well. So, yeah. he didn't play against complete garbage. It's it's, a, it's equivalent to if you're saying like playing Madden or something like that, yeah. a video game and you got a 99 <laughs> overall team going like mm-hmm. a 70 overall team. Yeah. That's and that's what, what Dwayne Haskins yeah. had at Ohio State exactly. and I love Haskins. Exactly. But Haskins A Ohio State schedules I will be very nice and say cupcakes. It is worse than that on their schedule every single year. And B, just the talent level that Ohio State yeah. has under Urban Meyer, one of the greatest college coaches of all time, though you can say whatever you want about your, his character, and it's justified to say that. As, as a coach, he's incredible. He's a really good coach. He's <laughs> a very good coach. So I think the pick makes sense looking back at it. And for Jones, now we see how long we wait. I have a feeling by week 13 or 14 he's in because the Giants will be eliminated by then, just being honest at that point. And I think you see the Jones era start and the Manning era end, and you, then you just hope and pray, if, if you're a Giants fan, that Jones is the guy. But I think it's fair to give him a shot. I think the Giants, a lot of people said how badly the Giants reached. He would not have been there at 17. There's no way he's there at 17. No, and you, you yeah. also look at, you have the Dolphins sitting there that didn't take yes, a quarterback. they didn't take a quarterback because Josh they were Rosen gone. Yeah. Eventually, later. But yeah, who knows what they would have done. Some other teams might have traded up. My, my thing with, with the pick at, with the pick, um, no, first of all, it's the number six overall pick. Mm-hmm. So that comes with a lot of baggage in itself. And sure. A lot of pressure in itself. Yeah. And number two, the New York Giants as a market, there's so, there's a magnifying glass on you at all times. Oh, it would yes. have been totally different if he goes out to Oakland or which will mm-hmm. now be Vegas. Yep. And is kind of flying under the radar there. They're trying to rebuild their roster, maybe not winning a ton of games. This mm-hmm. guy's going to be in the spotlight. And if Eli Manning's struggling a month into the season and the Giants are one and three or 0 oh and four, you're going to start hearing Daniel Jones che- um, cheers, and mm-hmm. Lord knows if he's ready for that or not. <laughs> you know, yeah. The last thing you want to do is throw him into the fire early. Doesn't perform. If he's not ready, Exactly. Sure. Doesn't yeah. perform up to the standards that he needs to. And then, not only is he getting grilled and his confidence is going to be going down, but the mm-hmm. front office is getting grilled because they took the guy at six, and, yep. he's, not, and he's getting played because he's not ready yet. No, that, that, So, yeah. it's a lot of baggage that comes with that particular pick in general, with the Giants and the number sixth overall pick. 
No, it, it, it certainly is a point that you want to make sure that he's ready before he uh, he gets in. You also talking about the um, the magnifying glass being on them. This is the same offseason that they traded Odell Beckham Jr. as well. So people are very much zeroed in on what the Giants are doing to remake this roster. So anything the Giants do here is going to get scrutinized. Yeah. No, I don't. I think, at least from from what I see, I think like all faith has been lost in kind of what the Giants are doing. Nobody knows where they're going, and I think picking a kind of a lesser name quarterback at six kind of amplified that because mm-hmm. if they take like Dwayne Haskins, Dwayne Haskins is the safe pick. I would. Yes, it's, it's I the agree. safe pick, and I think I that. That would appease fans because they're like, oh, we, we know this name. Mm-hmm. Where Daniel Jones, like a lot of people are like, he's one Listen, of those if guys. if you weren't watching Giants draft boards, you probably hadn't heard uh, Daniel Jones. Yes, yeah. and it's, he's one of those guys where the farther you get away from actually playing football, his name is skyrocketed, and that always worries me a little bit mm-hmm. because... Mm-hmm. Of course, we've seen that happen yes, many it times. it happened so past, many times. And, and Lynch, and that did not work out for Denver. Yeah, so I think it's just like... Uh, there's a just a not a trust with the Giants right now, and I think this, like like Matt said, magnifies when you take take him at six. Mm-hmm. Yes, no, it it, it certainly is. Uh, so, but an interesting pick, one that's going to be debated for a very long time, especially the last two years, being Barkley and Jones now being Mahal instead of a possibility that's been thrown out there a lot as it could have been Darnold and Josh Allen if things go differently. So, so an interesting debate. Well, that's a lot of what if. Exactly. Yeah. An interesting debate to Very have. Very easy to say a year after you've seen Donald play. Sure, exactly. So we've, we've touched on Haskins a little bit, as we all said, really like that pick, and I think it'll be interesting. He should start in Washington from day one, actually, yeah, probably. Would, be, would be my guess. I know he's coming in there. Um, I know, we know Alex Smith is injured. He has a, he's got a new knee, right? I think so. Yeah. Not yeah, that, not a pretty injury there. Not so good. what was your favorite pick of the first round of the draft? Um, so, or if you're Conrad, is your favorite pick from the first round? No, no. All right, just your favorite pick of the draft. All right, all right. So I'll, I'll, I say this. So mine, I look at the first round. Yeah, um, I, mean, I did too. Yeah, I would say of all the guys that were picked, um, three of them stood out. Mm-hmm. One obviously being Josh Allen, um, just basically falling number seven. Sure. A lot of boards had him in the top three, mm-hmm. top four. So that that was I would say surprising, but in terms of like a good pick, I mean that's he he's still in top seven, so I'm not gonna say that was like oh like crazy yeah. or anything like that. Um, but the two guys that I was looking at are this guy Montez Sweat, Sweat DM, yes. from Mississippi State to the Redskins um, to the Redskins at 26. The guy comes with a ton of baggage, played at Michigan State, violated team policies or something, um, kicked off the team. He had like a heart surgery in between at some point, went to mm-hmm. a JUCO. Then got picked up again by Mississippi State and was basically an All-American in Mississippi State. So the guy can play. He has a lot of off-field concerns, which is why he fell so far. He was draft. a projected top 10 pick as recently as two weeks ago, and he yeah. fell to 26. And he fell because there's a lot of off-the-field stuff, and you see that around draft time. A lot mm-hmm. of these players, that the off-the-field stuff kind of gets magnified for really no reason and just kind of comes all back up. And the other guy that I really liked, which I would say was probably my favorite pick of the first round, was DeAndre Baker at 30 to the Giants. Yes. Number one corner taken off the board. Guy won the... Um, what is it called? The, the Jim, Jim Thorpe, Thorpe Award. Yeah, Jim I believe Thorpe, it's Jim Thorpe Award. Jim Thorpe Award for the uh, the best defensive back corner in the country um, from Georgia. Dude, locked up whoever he went against. He's he's a phenomenal player, and I would say of all guys in terms of getting value, I would compare him a lot to in terms of how of his ability to like a guy like Denzel Ward who got picked up last year by the Browns, Browns. I think at number four, four. overall. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting a guy at number thirty who can play in terms of like a lockdown corner, it's a very similar ability to a guy like Denzel Ward, but you get him. At pick 30, 26 picks later, that's there's a ton of value in that. No, I, I I think those are very fair people to point out. I look at uh, going at number nine in the draft board. Absolutely love that Buffalo was able to get Ed Oliver at nine. That's, again, talking about value. That's fantastic value. Um, the guy that ESPN had him ranked as the third best player in this draft. Going into the season, he was mocked as the number one player in this draft, a three-year starter. At Houston is going to fill in immediately for Kyle Williams. Is going to play alongside Star Uh especially in the AFC East. You know you have to get after the quarterbacks going up against Brady, Darnold, um, and now Josh Rosen. <laughs> but we'll see what Josh Rosen can do in, in Miami. But I just I think that pick made a lot of sense for Buffalo, and I have to imagine they're thrilled with a player of that type of ceiling falling to nine. Yeah. So I'm going to go with uh, David Montgomery to the Bears in the third round. Yes. <laughs> Bull bias. <laughs> I got another one that's worse though. Yes, I know. Why, why David Montgomery? Yes, please. Because tell me why. so the Bears did have to end up trading up to get him, but all the comparisons I've seen are him to Kareem Hunt on the field, 
um, and what he's able to do with. I the, like how you said on the field. On the field. Yeah, no, <laughs> we're yeah. gonna leave that there. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna stick with that uh, because <laughs> Cream Hunt, when he's playing football, is very good at what he does. And from all I've read and all I've heard, uh, Montgomery might be able to do similar things in the NFL with his shiftiness and be able to catch out of the backfield. And in Chicago, he'll have a chance to start probably, possibly right away because three cones on every down, every down back, Mike Davis, who knows what you're getting with that, but there's possibly, he could get a lot of playing time in Chicago and pressure on him right away. It's a ton of pressure, pressure, but in that offense, having a running back like that can really unlock so many things for what the bears can do with Trubisky. Um, so that'll be fun to see. And then another one that this has zero to do with anything on the field, but DK Metcalf going the last pick of the second round to the Seahawks. I just love it to pick because in the interview he went in shirtless and then Pete Carroll took his shirt off. And I thought that was fantastic. I love that that's who took him so we could get that story. You know, I was, I was a scout, uh, told, a scout told, told him to DK. do it. I was like, hey, yeah. go with your shirt off and see, see what coach Carroll says. <laughs> coach, coach Carroll takes his shirt off with him. Unbelievable. And then drafts him. So. And, then, and then drafts him. So I guess he made a, an impression. May, maybe not something we all want to follow for job interviews, but hey, it's out there, right? <laughs> it worked for him. You'll, you'll be remembered. That. You, yeah, you'll, you'll be, be remembered. remembered. He was remembered. And he you'll got be picked. remembered. So, and then quickly, because the segment has gone, gone long, just give me least favorite pick and, and quick reason why. I'll start with, uh, I thought that just the pick that I kind of scratched my head at was uh, was number four with Cleveland Farrell going yeah. to, uh, to Oakland there. Just Oakland needed a pass rusher after the Cleo Mack trade, but they passed upon Josh Allen. And I think that the analysis can just stop there because it's that simple. I think Allen is going to be one of the best defenders in the league given two years. So, All right. The worst one I saw, again, not from the first round because that would be no fun. Um, Matt Gay to the Bucks in the fourth round. He was 145th overall. And what he position is a does kicker. Matt Gay play there? Remember the last time they got to be really good. Remember yeah. the last time the Bucks did that? And Robert they got Aguayo, Aguayo a couple of years ago. Aguayo, he was uh, second or third, second round pick, and, and then he was an absolute bust. He played for a year, and then he's out of the league. Yeah. So that's a great choice by the Bucks to you know go kicker in the fourth round. There's a lot of people that say he was a they second w- round pick. Yeah, you never draft a kicker, and you just pick him up in free agency or you use like the seventh mm-hmm. round picks, fourth round for a kicker. And this is going from a Bears fan, where it was there was a lot of talk of we need to get a kicker. Why? Because, you know, things happened last like year. But let's just say we had kicking problems. He was on the Today Show, if you ever want to recap. Yeah. Was he on the Today Show? He, he went on the Today yeah, Show. Yeah, that, and then that's the why game. he really got cut. Nobody <laughs> liked it. That was, that was the line too far. Good PR but yeah. stunt. Yeah. So, yeah, kicker in the fourth round, always a terrible move. So, that's my least favorite pick. My least favorite pick is Kyler Murray, number one. Oh, I Ooh. thought about saying that. It just... It just feels like everyone told the Cardinals to take him, so they took him. You don't really know what Josh mm-hmm. Rosen can do yet, and I get he's not your guy in terms of Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury didn't pick him. But at number one overall, you've yep. got to yeah. be so be sure. sure that, th- th- that this guy has got to be franchise-altering, 100% lock. Otherwise, don't touch him because Nick Bosa went number two. And Nick Bosa is supposedly better than Joey Bosa, and yep. Joey Bosa's a pro bowler. So... Yeah. So there's there's a lot of question marks with the number one overall pick. I know Baker Mayfield went number one overall last year, and there are question marks, and it ended up working out. But uh, Kyler Murray scares me. So yeah, another NFL draft in the books. A very interesting one. One that didn't get that much hype leading into it, but it left with a lot of question marks uh, for for us to look at as as we move into the uh, get or get closer into training camp and then the NFL season. But all right, that'll do it for the NFL draft segment. Going to send it to a quick break. Jordy's going to call and we're going to do some NBA playoffs. Big time of the year. This is around Chipper on 89.1 and we'll be right back. Back here on round Chipper, getting into the NBA playoffs. And oh, here's our guest. Jordy, can you hear us? Yep. Oh, there he is. Jordan Chicarone joins the show as we get into some NBA playoffs. And I guess... We should start with uh, with the big game from yesterday. Golden State defeating Houston 104-100 to at Oracle. It, first question is, is this your NBA Finals? No. No. Why is that? I actually think the legitimate NBA Finals is actually going to be a good series because I believe that three of the teams from the East would go a good shot to the Warriors. Are you saying that the 76ers would not give them a good shot? 
Yeah, because they're yeah, not winning they're this not. series. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I've said this the whole time. I don't think the group of players they have yes. works. No. Um, so, yeah, that beyond the point, I think the Raptors would put, a, put up a good chance because Kawhi guarding KD, I think that does a lot of things. They got a lot of other good defenders. Um, and then I also think that either whoever wins the Celtics Bucks, Bucks series, I think would give would give a good chance. I think I'd lean Bucks giving a better better game you think series. So? Yeah, I just with with what Giannis can do. Um, also, I think the Celtics they're gonna find a way to mess it up. Ben Moy just rolled over in the boat. <clears throat> yeah, they're they're he, on he a really hot streak right now, but they're gonna go back to one of those really cold things where they hate each other for a little <laughs> bit. Um, so yeah, that's my opinion on that. So the question is: Is the Warriors versus the Houston series the like the best series of the entire playoffs? Best series you're gonna get, yeah. So Conrad goes no. Yeah, so Conrad said no, pretty firmly, very firmly. Yeah. Um, oh, it, oh, mm. I, I hate that they had to meet in the semifinals of the Western. Uh, I know. I mean, admit I'm a Boston fan. <laughs> yes, <and> you are. <laughs> I want to see him play the Warriors in the finals, but the best series. I would think this is the best series you're gonna get in the playoffs. Uh, these, these are, in my opinion, the two best teams in the entire thing. Um, I think this, this series goes six or seven games again, um, and I think the Warriors are ultimately going to win. But I could, I could see Houston pulling it out late. But yes, I do think it's this is the best series that we're going to see. I think this is the best series we get as well. I think two out of the four teams in the East would put up a um, a fight against uh, against the Warriors here. I would lean Toronto and Boston. See Pat on the opposite. I think the two. I think two teams would give a fight, and I think they would be the Celtics and the Bucks. And I hate that they're playing each other. <laughs> Only one of them's going to come out of that. Which, it's it's yeah. true. It's true. So it, it's going to be really interesting to watch. But I just I look at these. These are the two best teams. Even with that, I still like. I think Golden State will win this pretty handily. I don't. Yeah. I don't think this will go seven. No, I, I don't think I so think either. they will. The games will be close. I think it will be interesting, and we'll see how it goes. Now I know Jordan. Is a big Houston Rockets believer, Jordy. What are we? What are we thinking? Uh, I'm more of a fan than a believer, to be honest. But <laughs> I do agree that this this is by far going to be the most entertaining series of the playoffs. It's going to have the most amount of offense. It's going to have the most offensive creativity, which is always fun to watch. To call it the NBA Finals is tough for me because if Houston wins this, I don't necessarily think they have the, the resume to to play through an entire playoffs. Uh, it's tough to if they win this to just call them a lock to beat even these Eastern Conference teams. All the sure. ones that you mentioned, obviously, we'd like the Bucks, Celtics, Raptors. Mm-hmm. I know you like Houston. Portland as well in the West. Uh, yeah, not for the finals. Definitely not for the finals. But I, I think we would all agree that we would like those Eastern Conference contenders against Houston much more than we'd like them against Golden State. So to make this the finals would be tough. Um. What I do like about these two teams playing in the second round is that if Houston loses, Harden can no longer fall back on the he got tired in the playoffs. It's only the second round. So I they're like playing that. early enough where you should be getting a fully capable playoff James Harden in this matchup. However, I do think the Warriors should win this out. But I feel like we said that last year as well when the game went to, the series went to seven. So who knows? Matt, you look like you had a, a point you wanted to get to. No, I think that's. I think it's totally fair. Jordan makes a good point that Houston, Houston. If Houston were to beat the Warriors, they would have given everything that series oh, in yes. the semifinals. They still mm-hmm. got to play two other teams to win the whole thing, which is absolutely fair. Warriors have been here before. They they've been in this playoff grind. And they've kind of rested the regular season for this. Um, yeah, no, I agree with what Jordan said. Good. All right. So going then, we'll we'll, we'll shift to the East quickly uh, again, sticking with games yesterday. Then Boston taking Game One in Milwaukee, a blowout victory. In Milwaukee, uh, before we get into you know actually analyzing this, uh, would you like to get Benjamin's point in, uh, Matt? Yeah. So Ben Moy obviously is not here tonight, but he did have some parting words that he wanted. He did have some parting. He words. wanted us to pass along. Um, so I, I have, am the one that's passing along. Jordy, you're words. gonna love this. Um, so he had two points actually. Yes, he did. His first point was just he wanted to everyone to recognize that it is very much not only possible, but more than likely will happen. <laughs> yeah, that is how we said it, more That's than likely will happen, that the Boston Slam will take place this year. For those who do not know what the Boston Slam is, because I don't think a lot of people do, the Boston Slam is the four major sports teams in Boston all winning their respective championships the same exact year. So we already had the Red Sox, we already have the Patriots, 
We have now the Bruins and the Celtics still in the playoffs. <laughs> right, Bruins right now are odds on favorite to win the whole thing. They game. are the odds and on favorite. And the Celtics are the currently one nothing on the best team in the league, by record wise. So that was his first point he wanted to make, and his second point Jordy's he wanted to make was it's an absolute lock that the Celtics are going to win the entire. Yes, thing. Ben Moy said the series is over already. Yeah. Yes. Just very the series or the playoffs. The series. Sorry, the series. He said he said this oh, okay. this series with the Bucks is over. Now, Jordan, tell tell Benjamin who's not here why he's wrong. Well, <laughs> ooh. it's definitely not an absolute lock. I, mean, I, <laughs> I can definitely Vegas. say that it's not an absolute lock. I mean, Vegas would certainly disagree with them. I'm certainly going to highlight that later. Um, to, to take that as a lock is just absolutely absurd, though. I mean. I like it. Listen, Moy, Moy's got strong opinions. He believes in his guys. Moy's got just reckless opinions. They are He reckless. just uses all his emotion, doesn't think about <laughs> it. There's, they're hilarious, but come on. As we decided, yes, there is a chance. Yes, there is a non-zero chance. But, there is but a non-zero this, this chance. Is like, like, Would you say it's likely? Like, Thank the you. The Warriors have to lose. Don't, there's Thank nothing you. that's told me the Warriors are losing anytime. Not so. only do the Warriors have to lose, Boston is tied 1-1 with there. Columbus right now with the Bruins as well. Yeah. The Bruins, I mean, the, the Bruins the, aren't the, a lock either. The Celtics also have to still beat the Bucks. They throw up 1-0 yeah, in the second the round. The Bucks are a very good team. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot that has to go into it. But <laughs> yeah. to actually look at the game, the Celtics did look, look really good yesterday. Al Horford played a huge role for them. Uh, what I look at is that Milwaukee shot 39 threes, and that's not their that's, game. No. They fell behind, and they just tried to catch up through that way. So I don't think you're going to see too much of the same of that for Milwaukee in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giannis with the five threes, though he did make three of them. I know me and Jordan talked about that uh, yesterday. Uh, yeah. On Boston side, Kyrie played spectacular. Um, 26 points, 11 assists, 7 boards. Uh, as I said, Al Horford put up a double-double as well. Listen, I think this is going to be a good series. In no way do I think the series is over. No. I think this one goes 6 or 7. And uh, and whoever wins this do you, do I, will have a good chance of getting to the finals, but uh, Toronto is my Eastern favorite. I believe they're your Eastern yeah, favorite as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm in the same boat. This opened my eyes to I was really high on Milwaukee before this game, but then just seeing how basically everybody besides Giannis and Middleton kind of like crumbled mm-hmm. um, really highlights their lack of kind of other stars besides Giannis. Um, and that's really worrisome when Miritich is your third leading scorer. That's not ideal. Deal in this situation, you'd prefer if Lopez and Bledsoe, you know, stepped up. Um, Bledsoe had an absolutely horrendous game. He went one from five from the field, zero oh from four from the three-point line with only six points. And he's supposed to be, I guess, your number two, number three guy on that team. If he's doing that the rest of the series, and he did not play well against the Pistons in the last series, Milwaukee's got a lot of problems because while Giannis, I think, is the MVP right now of the league was for this year. And he's one of the best players in basketball right now. You need somebody else to step up, and nobody in Milwaukee's doing it right now. And that's that's what really worries me because they should put up a better fight with Boston than getting blown <clears> up by twenty two. I think yesterday was more of an outlier. What do you think, Matt? So I'm going to steal a take that I heard today from Colin Coward. Yes, the, my guy. And um, and I think it's it has its flaws as most of his takes do but whoa, i think whoa, whoa, absolute, there we go something i can support yeah but there there's a lot of merit to what he said um, not necessarily on surface level but uh, if you kind of think about what he's really trying to get at so what what his take was was that you look at michael jordan a well known he's either the best player in the world or he is 1 1a 1b with lebron second best yeah. You're just wrong. Pat. Either way, that, that's an argument for different things. I know. Yes, yes, yes. The <laughs> fact is, is that he was 1-9 in the playoffs before Scottie Pippen showed up, swept twice. Right? So the best player, so the, the best, the supposed best player ever in the entire NBA was 1-9 before another uh, another Hall of Famer got to that team. Now, I guess once, in the finals. once he got to that team, they <laughs> exploded. They were the team that they were. Yeah. But the point that he was trying to make was that Giannis is as good as Giannis is. He's phenomenal. He could be argued is the best player in the world right now. Mm-hmm. I personally would not make that argument, but people can absolutely make that people argument. People can make it's it a valid one. But the second best player on his team being Chris Middleton is not nearly enough for them to become this phenomenal yeah. team that could potentially take challenge, down the Warriors. <laughs> challenge the Warriors in the long run. And that's really what everyone is building sure. at this point. So while I don't necessarily, I'm not equating Giannis to Michael Jordan, <laughs> and I'm not saying that Michael Jordan is like not good until Scottie Pippen got on the team, um, I will say that 
Uh, NBA, the NBA franchises that are built for dynasties and teams that are really, really good are much more than one player and are much more than one really good player and another all-star caliber player with no one else. There are teams that have one, two, maybe three really good pieces and have a bench or a, and a support cast around them that can feed off them and make them the best possible team that they could be. Sure. Jordan, what do you think? I mean, I completely agree with that. Um, the interesting thing is that, you you know, Chris Middleton, the argument you would make is that Chris Middleton is still an all-star. Um, but the immediate counter to that is that I don't think Chris Middleton would be an all-star on any other team. Mm-hmm. I think Giannis is the kind of player to make the, the other players around him better, especially someone who's in Chris Middleton's role pre-all-star, who's just kind of a floor spacer, a shooter, someone who would be playing a role even at his level. And what they really need is going to be another star. I mean, any successful NBA team, you need to have guys who are your A option, your B option. They both need to be really good. There are so many teams around the league you can look at. And whether their best player is a B option, they can't win very much. I would say that about the Spurs with DeMar DeRozan. Or all they have is one A option, they can't win very much. You need a good balance where even your second, third guys, you really need them to be B, B or better if you're going to make it far in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And I would also just say, too, that in terms of point of Chris Middleton, not being an all-star in many other teams, I looked to like the Atlanta Hawks, the other day, mm-hmm. four all-stars in the same team. And if I told you that Jeff Teague, Kyle Korver were both all-stars, they're not. They're not all star yeah, players. Sure. They're on that team because they're really, really good. Paul Millsap, Al Horford were the other two. You can mm-hmm. say what you want about them. Yes. Korver, mm-hmm. Jeff Teague are, are role players. They're mm-hmm. not They're not all-stars. Yeah, no, it, it's it's a fair point to be made. So I do, I do think Jordan's right there. I, I, though, I, as I said, I do think this series goes is a long one, and I think it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to watch. Toronto-Philly, is there much we want to say about that one? I will personally say Toronto in five. I don't think Philly puts up that much of a fight. I I just think Toronto's such a matchup nightmare for Philadelphia yeah. that they're not able to hang oh, with them. Absolutely. I think I think when it comes to Philadelphia, they are the one of the worst strategic teams still in the NBA playoffs right Call now. Call out Brett Brown. I love that. Oh, 100%. I have that written right here. Fire Brett Brown. They should have got oh, rid of him a couple of years is. ago. They've had talent for a couple of years now. They haven't had much success strategy-wise. Even in the regular season, if they have any marquee matchups away from home, they really struggle to outthink the other team. Um, and they just play reckless, especially down the stretch, mm-hmm. taking a lot of bad plays, a lot of bad fouls, bad shots. It still is a lot of a almost loose street ball team where people are passing, which is good, but take whatever shots they feel, not a lot of strategy. I think the most interesting thing about the series is to watch Pascal Siakam, to be honest, mm-hmm. continue to heat it up. He's having an, the best playoff of his career, which is awesome. And most interesting stat about this series, actually, it's actually been all over social media, perhaps if you've seen it, but Kawhi Leonard is now 14-0 and in his career against the Sixers, which is just crazy. And that just makes so much sense for a player who plays and understands systems. He's a great defender, mm-hmm. not just because of his length and his talent, but also because he understands what his opponents are trying to do. Sure. When you're playing against a loose team like the Sixers, that favors him even more. So continue to watch him dominate and Pascal heat it up. Could not agree more. Yeah, it'll also be interesting to see if, how how Embiid plays, how much he plays, because he has been kind of... Problems. He's been having injury problems like he has his entire career. He's been questionable up until game time. Basically, the last like three or four games. Every game of the postseason. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he hasn't really since the All Star break. He hasn't really played a whole lot. So you also with his possibly injury that he's dealing with. He's also not in basketball top basketball shape, and you can definitely see how that's affecting him because he's not able to play the minutes that kind of the Sixers would need him to play. And really, Marcus Saul inside is a big problem for him because he's just he's a prototypical center. That's just Embiid at at his health right now isn't really able to deal with inside as much because Gasol is just such a strong interior presence. Um, it'll be interesting to see how how that works out because if so the Sixers are going to do anything, Embiid's got to step up and really take over a couple of games, and I don't think he can do it with being uh, injured and not not in great shape right now. Matt, does Philly have a chance? Um. Does Philly have a chance? Yeah, because their roster is top two in the NBA right now. That's that's yeah. the reason I would give them a chance. I don't think their coaching is all that good. Not, not necessarily if they're the right players that should be played together, put in the best position to win, just in terms of, yeah, I guess we've set a system. Um, my biggest takeaway from this, this, not even this series, but Philly as a roster as a whole, is Ben Simmons' lack of a jump shot is so critical in the playoffs, especially. You can get away with it in the regular season, but when the playoffs come around, we've seen it. In a way, in game one with Giannis, too. And now he was able to hit threes, but he but he actually hit him at a pretty good clip. But he's not known as a shooter at all. 
Um, you don't even have to, you don't have to guard him on the three point line. He's not an offensive issue until the guy gets twelve feet from the basket. So my biggest takeaway is that until Ben Simmons learns how to take a jump shot, he he can be this phenomenal talent all he wants. I mean, he granted he's really really young and he's got so much time to improve, but jump shots don't just grow on trees, right? And that's something yeah. that someone you, I mean people say you can teach a jump shot, but I look like a guy especially like Russell Westbrook whose form is not really broken at all and. He has, was proven that he was getting better at um, his jump shots, particularly in the free throw line. He was improved like 85% like three years ago. Now he's down in the 60s, and he's not and he can't shoot at all. So it's not something that just can be taught and just you, you and just overnight. It's really something that's a process and takes a long time, and if you start to get away from it, it's going to show. And until Ben Simmons can really improve upon just his expanding his game, because right now he's the same player that we saw last year. Which I'm not saying he's a bad player at all because he's not. He's a seven. He's a six eleven point guard essentially. Um, until he really can develop an offensive game where people have to respect him on the perimeter, Philly's going to be really limited. But in terms of what they can do, because him being on the perimeter, and not being guarded, messes up spacing for a lot of other guys that try to go one on one or trying to run a pick and roll or something like that. Because there's another defender sitting in the paint because he doesn't have to deal with Ben Simmons sitting in the in the corner for three because he's not going to shoot it. Sure. No, yeah, you know, he really needs to leave his Kardashian. You know, you know, yeah. we saw what happened that, when Harden, I, big time. Yeah. Harden left his Kardashian. His shot got way better. You know, he's got to lose his Kardashian. I think Jordan hit it on the head right there. <laughs> I, I saw right, Philly cannot win until Ben Simmons leaves his Kardashian. And then finally, Portland, Denver kicking off tonight. Uh, just, I guess, quick, quick prediction, because I know that's not the flashiest series for, for us to watch. Ooh, ouch. I'm sorry, Jordy. <laughs> what do you think? I'm just excited for this series because I think it's just been the least talked about one other than, of course, Damian Lillard, which is just so interesting. I've loved hearing a lot of his postgame interviews, his silent assassin mentality. He had a great quote today about pressure that Matt and I were talking about earlier that involved how pressure is only on those who are homeless and and poor and have to struggle in that sense, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. But this I think the series is actually going to have a lot more fireworks than we think just because of these matchups. I mean, think about who's guarding. Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, it's some type of switch between Gary Harris and Jamal Murray, who are young and not great defenders. And then when you think about Jokic on the other end, he's either facing Ines Kanter, who's hurt, questionable, might not even be playing tonight. And if he's hurt with Nurkic out, they don't even have another center. He's dealing with either Zach Collins or Myers Leonard and the power forward position guarding him. That's just another, another disaster. So definitely going to be high scoring and you're going to get to see your stars shine which is always exciting and hey that's a fun nba series right there especially in in the second round um and then all right jordan what is the lock of the week going for yeah i got a good one uh oh man thank god moy's not here (laughs) so painful to hear those moy takes earlier and have to agree with them for now but the one we're going with is celtic spread in the next game against the bucks this game of course is tomorrow night and the spread is currently at plus seven and a half. That's the line we're locking it in at, which is insane. The game one was also the line closed at this number as well. So one thing that you would notice right away is that there's no adjustment at all mm-hmm. after a 22-point Boston victory in game one, which is crazy considering that in the regular season, both of these teams only played once. And in that game, there was no Gordon Hayward, and Nikola Mirotic was like, just got there, still kind of injured. So completely different rosters. One game, especially in the playoffs, where a lot of that regular season mumbo-jumbo doesn't matter. It just comes down to talent and people who have proven themselves in the playoffs. And the bigger thing that I think this is going to come down to is the coaching mismatch. And you guys already, sorry, you guys touched on it earlier. A lot of that three-point shooting. Brooke Lopez blowing it in the last game, one for four. Ersan Ilyasova, 0 for five. Two of these guys are long bigs that shoot. And they were held to a low number. And I don't think that's going to be uncharacteristic of this entire series. And that's all because of Al Horford. Any big in the league most capable of defending another three-point shooting big has to be Al Horford. For his quickness, he's he's lighter than a lot of other bigs. He's more capable of defending the wing. And when you have a coaching mismatch between Brad Stevens and uh, Mike Budenholzer, who has had a great regular season, obviously, but hasn't really been proven in the playoffs, as the Bucs historically are a pretty poor team, Horford is an absolute nightmare for these Bucks big shooters. There are some crazy stats I was reading about before that when Brooke Lopez is on the floor against the Celtics, he has a 0.0 net rating. But when Horford's on the floor, he has a negative 33 and a half, which is the biggest change out of any two player, any player matchup in the NBA, which is crazy. When Horford was on the, on the floor during the regular season, uh, the Bucks were nine for 31 uh, from three. Cause a lot of those threes come from their bigs, which is just, 
proves that Horford's able to shut down and get him out of their comfort zone. And also, another just thing to highlight, the, the coaching mismatch. One thing about the Bucks defense, while it's really solid, they give up more threes per 100 possessions than any other team. And the Celtics took their season-high threes against the Bucks in mm-hmm. that game, which just means Looking to that you have a coach. Exactly. Sure. The coach who recognized it, the coach who put up threes, and they hit, so they hit enough of them. I think they hit 37%. That's enough to average, like, 16 threes a game or something like that, which is just way too many that the, that the Bucks can handle. That's why you see a Boston team putting up 112 against the Bucks when they were dropping like 90, 80 against a team like the Pacers. So it's just a whole other mismatch. I don't know why Vegas hasn't adjusted. Taking a seven and a half point cushion against a team that we already talked about earlier could be a toss up series, toss up game. Very happy with that pick. Sure, and I, I think it's hard to argue against Brad Stevens and, and Al Horford as, as X factors. In, uh, in this series. So Jordan looking to go 3-0 and to end the year here with, with Jordy's locks, and, and we'll see how it goes next year, I guess. You have a lot to live up to right now. Yeah, yeah I know I do. I know I do. I'll have to stay, stay up to date, stay in touch, keep researching, keep betting. I'm sure that won't be too hard for me. <laughs> yeah, probably not, but hey, if, if you keep winning, that's, that's what matters, right? But uh, yep. all right, so again, thank you to Jordan for coming on. It's always been a fun guest. We might have, maybe we'll have him on next week. We got one more show. Yep, I'm sure I'll have the lock. There was it. All right, so we got Jordan coming back on for his lock next week. So that was the NBA playoffs. We're going to send it to a quick break, then wrap up the show with NHL playoffs and around the Nova Nation. Again, thank you to Jordan. This is Round Chipper, and we'll be right back. Back here for the final segment here of the show as we do NHL playoffs and then some uh, some quick Nova Nation. But, um, so getting into the NHL playoffs, it was a crazy round one, as it always is. Both one seeds are out, including the Tampa Bay Lightning being swept yeah, that's that's Columbus rough. Blue Jackets, and then in the other series, you had Colorado beating the number one seed Calgary Flames in five. <laughs> that's not how it's supposed to happen. There's one seed you would think would have a better chance than combined winning one game in the playoffs. Uh, that's kind of a bad showing from them. Also crazy as well, the Islanders beating the Penguins in four. Not that the Islanders won that series, but that they won it four because four, Pittsburgh yeah. was the odds-on favorite to win that series. You also had three game sevens, so. NHL playoffs, as they always are, filled with drama. No one knows what's going on, but we're going to try and tell you what's going on. So it's uh, it's fantastic. So I, I would say the most interesting series uh, as of right now is the Boston-Columbus series, which is at 1-1 after a double overtime win by Columbus. I would say that whoever wins this series is the favorite to get out of the East. It's such an interesting series because of the contrasting styles of play and that Boston is that slow it down, grind it out type team. While, Col- <laughs> yes, Matt Wood, yes, that is how they play. While Columbus is this high pace, um, high octane offensive team, and you've gotten a really good first two games out of it. Game three is tomorrow night, the big swing game, as the series now moves to Columbus. Should I ask for predictions or should I just take this? I think Columbus is going to win in six. Oh. The Bruins are going to win the in Cup five. in four. Oh, they're going to win it? Oh, okay. <laughs> so, and I said the only you way did. they're going to win the Cup is they got to make sure the Lightning lose. You did say that. That came out of your mouth. I wonder who lost the Lightning. Bruins are winning in four. <laughs> what did they win this series in? Oh, this series they win in five. Okay. <laughs> but they win the they whole Stanley one Cup. Game. It's Bruins versus everyone's come out in the West. Bruins in four. Right. There's still another series in between those. <laughs> yeah, by the way, that's Pat said that they're all in favor to win if they win this series, which they will. Therefore, it doesn't even matter. Uh, I've got so that they sweep in that series too. Yeah, the, uh, the, the Bruins have. They're, so they're going to so win eleven in a row this season. The the, the the Bruins have precisely was eleven games left this season. They have eleven <laughs> games left, which is great. It's, it's great. It's, it's awesome. awesome. Season's winding down. Yeah, good yeah. for them. Eleven games left. Book those tea times, boys. Well, because that's the thing. Well, I, so, again, going back to Moy's point, if you want the Boston slam to happen, Bruins got to win it at some point. You know what I mean? And once the Bruins win it all, that's easy. The Celtics are a lock at that it's point. It's done at that point. Yeah. Uh, Columbus wins in seven here. <laughs> uh, looking at the e- the other side of the East, Carolina with a 2-0 lead over the Islanders. God, this hurts to, to get to. Uh, but for it, why you have hope as an Islander fan is that the Islanders have outplayed Carolina in both games. They got hosed in game one in a goal that was disallowed that you can just not tell me was goalie interference because I'm just, no, it was. It was. It, you did you even see it? The yeah, guy so. the guy was pushed into the goalie, which from what I understand, 
is not goal interference because the guy on the goalie's did, team uh, pushed did, him did in. Did I watch the same replay? He didn't get pushed. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's, 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 Matt's making explode. some pretty pretty good points some over there. Volume. I think it was like a light, like so, a love, a love tap. tap. You ever see James Harden get pushed and he falls over and flops over? That's, that's exactly that's, the thing I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the Islanders are down 2-0. They hit three posts then as well in the third period of game two. Now the series moves to Carolina. In no way do I think this series is over. And it'll be really interesting to see how this thing plays out down the stretch, um, especially now. Fun fun thing to look at, the Islanders are 2-0 at Nassau Coliseum, 2-0 on the road, and 0-2 at the Barclays Center. So let's blame Brooklyn like we always do. Yeah, the, the Brooklyn uh, Nets, Islanders. Not the I don't, Nets. I don't know Nets. what's different, going on. Different sports, okay. Sorry. We're getting very confused. Wait. This is talking hockey. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, the West, completely wide open. As we said, Nashville and Calgary go down. In round one, leaving you Dallas, St. Louis, Colorado, and San Jose. San Jose should not be here as a Golden Golden State. See, now you're messing with me. Oh, my God. Oops. <laughs> you're in my head. San Jose should not be here. Sa- you agree? No. Vegas was, was meeting yep. the Bruins in the finals. <laughs> That's right. You did say that. Uh, Vegas, <laughs> with the 3-1 lead in the third period of Game 7, ended up losing in overtime. With the goals that uh, that came from a five minute major that the NHL then came out and said was not a five minute major. So yeah, that's a little unfortunate. That one stings. So if you're the Houston Rockets crying and complaining about last year, just look at Vegas and how badly they got hosed this yeah. year. And a little <laughs> yeah, little. the Rockets are a bunch of babies. <laughs> we, we, we're sticking with an NBA slash NHL segment here. <laughs> I started it. We're keeping it on track. The series Fubu TV. All right, wait, pause. Hold on. One yes. second. You can stream all these games on FUBU TV. Isn't FUBU like an apparel brand? I FUBU, yeah. Doesn't the exactly Shark Tank own Yeah, Damon John Damon. owns yeah. FUBU. All right. Since when do they do TV streams? Well, let's find out. I didn't know that. FUBU. Also, side note, um, YouTube TV. Yeah. In terms of like, if you want an alternative to cable that's le- way less money, you, YouTube TV is a very good alternative if you want sports and stuff like that. If you don't care about all like the nonsense dramas and stuff like that. Th- thank TV. you for that advertising. So, yeah, so YouTube so, TV and FUBU TV, I guess. Match- also, FUBU is an apparel brand. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is. 100%. Very clear. Like, I'm not seeing anywhere to stream anything on this. No, I, I don't like companies that have their hands in a million different things. Do you specialize in one thing and be really good Do one good thing at? really good. Don't, don't, don't spread yourself really too well. Good. Really well. Really well. Well, there it is. Really, Think about how many companies good. do you know? That's like, it's like Apple. That's like now they're gonna make cars, and then they have phones. And Just have stick computers. the phones. Make the phones and good. Then eventually, they're gonna have like, like a that. whole house or something like that, and then they turn to Amazon. Stay with phones and laptops. Only one that can don't, be don't in that many places is Amazon because Amazon's taking over the world at some point. And yeah, they're they're, they're talking about new laws. They might come out. Um, I forget the term for it, but their laws basically for for so the market doesn't turn into like a monopoly where it's like one or two antitrust laws. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what it is. Yeah, apparently they might they might have to revise new laws because Amazon owns uh, everything. Apple, Netflix, they're just taking over the world. So Google, we'll yeah, see. Th- Google. those are your big those are your big yeah, corporations. So, we'll see. So, we'll see. so very very good hockey talk. Fubu TV, that's <laughs> unbelievable. I had no idea they did TV. Crazy. St. Louis Blues will come out of the West. <laughs> Also, oh. side note, I just figured out FUBU, the apparel brand, and FUBU TV are different. FUBU, the apparel is with two U's. It's F-U-B-U. It's a different company. FUBU, the TV, is F-U-B-O-T-V. Different company. I'm pretty so sure. So they it's have spelled. no affiliation at all with each other? Not not from what I'm seeing right you now. You know what? If I'm FUBU TV, because I, I, I'm guessing the apparel came first, if I'm FUBU TV... That's not a bad choice so at all to, use, pretty good. to use the same name basically as someone else. I mean, I don't know if and confuse everybody. Trademark something like that. Well, that's it's spelled different. It's spelled different, so I don't think you that can copyright trademark. That is not a bad trademark. marketing play at all. Yes. I give credit for that. I know any other two different things. So Damon John has nothing to do with Fubu TV, or he might, but he does, he is he might, but it's it's not the same company. Wow. Yeah. That's shocking. You can watch Game Three of the Dallas <laughs> Stars and St. Louis Blues series tonight on Fubu, Fubu TV. TV. And there's our advertisement, <laughs> everyone. We just got paid. We, checks in the mail. Checks in the mail. They really should pay us at this point. We've talked about this for like five minutes. Uh, that was in, in, impressive. <laughs> do, you, do, you, it's F, do you still pronounce FUBU? Probably not. It's like FUBO. It's like... I don't know. Sorry. So, I, 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 I just... Is it FUBO? Skip the rest of the NHL at this point, because we, we hit every series now, I, I guess. Um, all... <laughs> 
I'll give a recap next week when we once we get there for for next week's show. So and we'll give an update if we figure yes, out if this we'll if it's pronounced the same way. Of course, because that's that's very very. That's what our listeners want to know. Very vital. Uh, is Did just, you know Netflix isn't profitable? Did I, have I already talked about this on the show? Yes, on the show. Not, really? Have I talked about? This? I thought I've definitely heard this off the show, but I think we need to get our Netflix listeners involved. Isn't profitable? It's crazy. They spend because because they're spending they million dollars on friends. Yeah. Well, no, it's because yeah, because how they make differentiate from everyone else? Because basically, any any computer hacker can just make Netflix. Like it's not that hard to do. It's basically it's a streaming service. Yes. Like, there's a ton of them out there. But they put all their money back in the Netflix. These Netflix originals, originals which you get sure. exclusivity only on Netflix. That they they aren't profitable. Yeah, that's and crazy. then nobody really watches the originals. That's sometimes. Nuts. That's unbelievable. That's some of them are good, but other ones Fire are just Fest, the that's a good one. No, they, no, they have some good. They originals. have some good ones, but I would say originals. majority of them are flops. I have you ever seen American Vandal? I've no, not seen that. I've yeah, pretty no. good. It's not uh, bad. The, the second season a little weird, but the first season's pretty House good. House of Cards is a Netflix original. True. Like no, the, they do have some good ones, but like. No, the House of Cards was one of the first ones that really yeah, took them off. Yeah. They were really good. And when they did that, they were like, they were constantly good ones. But now they're just throwing like there's too many of them. There's, they're, there's, they're flooding the market with it. I don't like how um, Game of Thrones is on like HBO. Yeah, I don't like it either. And that's it because you got to like, HBO. It's a lot of money. Serious money. Yeah. To watch mm-hmm. that. I think they're on Amazon Prime, but I ha- I'm not. I I can't. Don't. They might be that. one of those on Amazon Prime where you have to pay. You have have to have Amazon Prime and, and then, then pay, pay more to, to watch each season. Yeah, I don't. It's that's, that's skeevy. I don't like that. Yeah. The one thing I do like about Netflix is they have a lot of um, comedian specials on there. That's yeah. true. Kevin no, that is, came out with a new one. He performs. It's really good in, in London. London um, in a massive arena, and he's just in the middle of it. It's it's unbelievable. I've never seen a guy, a comedian, draw as much attention. As and it's Harkins. packed. Yeah, he's, he's sold I just out, finished it. It's Link. fantastic. Yeah, he he sold out the last special he did was I think a year or two ago, and he sold out Lincoln Financial Field where the Eagles play. Yeah, sold out the whole season. He's a comedian. He just makes jokes the entire time for an hour. It's unbelievable. Sebastian Maniscalco, highly recommend as well. Sebastian Maniscalco. Yeah. That's he's going on tour this Tampa. summer. Oh, really? Yeah. Bill Burr. I also Bill Burr is Bill Burr, very, very good. Really but uh, Maniscalco, he's going on tour this summer, I believe. He's going on tour? Yeah. Ooh. His tickets just dropped like the, the other day. The thing with comedians Ooh. is it's so subjective. Like, That's true. To an extreme. Like, there are some jokes that some people are going to think are funny, and but they'll hit like such sensitive topics that other people mm-hmm. will just why are you t- talking about mm-hmm. that you know but it's, funny. it's so interesting to me how some people love it and other people just can't can't even bear witness it it's true yeah. so so that was some netflix hbo <laughs> fubu tv talk so i'm glad uh, and, and during Hulu, the oh, nfl sorry, sorry, did, yeah. you know, did you know if you buy a spotify premium if it's a college student you get hubu, Hulu, Hulu with it? Yes. yeah okay cool yes yeah, so that uh, out there. P- psa is all over the show i was just trying to help out the <laughs> we should really here. be getting paid for yeah, some of these I things just, we've been saying i'm i'm gonna talk with my advisor about 55 this 55 best netflix original series i think stranger things is gonna be number one we can oh uh, 13 reasons why is really good it's well. number two number one is bojack horseman that show's hilarious. It's a sci-fi show. It looks kind of like a Rick and Morty kind of thing. It is. It's 8.5 out of 10. Absolutely wow. ridiculous. Interesting. Orange is New Black is number three. Okay, cool. All right. So that was good. <laughs> we'll, we'll report back on our favorite Netflix American Vandal is number week. four. Ah, uh, there it is. So we, we will have our definitive rankings. Of, we can Mount Rushmore that next week if we want to. Close out the, close out the semester. With Netflix, Netflix, Netflix originals. originals? Just Netflix. The uh, show's on Netflix. Originals. We'll figure it out. I think. We'll lean towards originals. But don't lock it in now. Don't we're not lock it in this now. This is a of course not. prime like 4.30 next Monday. My issue. If you can count movies, I could probably do it. Right. But if it's just shows, I don't know if I could we'll, do it. We'll figure it out. So that'll bring us into around the Nova Nation here. <laughs> and I'm just going to say, Conrad, just talk about Pen Relays. All right. So Pen Relays was over the weekend. It's the biggest um, track event in America every year. Uh, people come from everywhere. Name, name a track event that's bigger. Nationals. See the press that you get for Penn Relays over Nationals. Really? I think it, 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 it's more. Oh, don't Penn Relays like pros come too? Yeah, Penn Relays. It's pro. It's everything from high schooler. There's even I'm pretty sure middle schoolers through professional athletes. That's pretty cool. It's okay. a three day carnival. Like they call it instead of like the Penn Relays track meet, they call it a carnival because of just everything that happens. And it's literally it's one of the coolest things. I haven't been to a Saturday yet since I've been here, but Saturdays are like the big days when the pros are there. It looks like an absolute party. Um, I hope to go to one of those eventually. <clears throat> but so just with how Nova did over the weekend, so the women's four by mile, they won a pet, the, they won the event uh, at the championship level. They got a wheel. Um, yeah, they got a wheel. Great. That's, I believe, the third year in a row, four out of the last five for the women. 
great stuff there. Their DMR did great too. Um, their four by one made it to the finals. All great stuff there. And then on the men's side, the four by mile for the men's got seventh. Um, still a great showing because of the, it's a stacked field. There's teams from all around the country at this meet. Um, Keegan Hughes, our four hurdler, uh, got ninth overall at a field of 60 with a PR of 52.69, which is absolutely absurd. It, that's a regional mark right now. He's 37th in the East, and 48 will go to regionals. So that's great for him. Tom Conboy PR'd in pole vault and got um, second in his section and only is the fifth person in school history to pole vault 4.85 meters, which is just outstanding. And How then the on feet, do we know? I could not tell you right now. Okay. It's probably... Pat's on it. Keep going. It's about 14.5, I'd say. 14 and a half feet? 15.9. Close enough. We close. We eyeballed it. Um, and then the DMR had a great shot to be put into getting a wheel over the weekend, but a lot of things did not go... Getting a wheel means win, correct? Win, yeah. Win your event. Yeah, and it's it, it's a it's a really big thing, especially here at Nova. But they ended up getting seventh. It was a great effort by the guys. There was a lot of there's there's a lot that went on in that race, and it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, but yeah, overall, it was it was, it was a pretty successful weekend. Um, but and yeah, it's a it's a great tune up, and a lot a lot more pressure than what we'll face in Big East. But Big East is in two weeks, and that's just gonna be a blast. And you know. Hopefully come away with another dub. Yeah. Follow up that indoor yeah. season. So always back, awesome back. to hear about uh, a Villanova try, especially Penn Relay, such a, a special event. Um, every it was the 125th running of Penn Relay, too, yeah. which is so, just even more special. So, so, so cool. I see the pictures every year and uh, hopefully can make it out to it next year. But um, so, yeah, no, lo- love to hear that. But that's our show. It's our second last show of the year. We got one more next Monday night. Hopefully Benjamin can make a return. Yeah, I should, yeah, I should be here. Yeah, so so we might we might all all four of us might be in studio. We'll have Jordy calling in for a lock of the week, of course, to uh, go through all our updates and and possibly a Mount Rushmore to close things out because I feel like we have to now after that segment. So yeah. uh, any any final thoughts we want to get in? I've heard good things about Thirteen Reasons Why on Netflix. Great show, oh, highly recommend. Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm scrolling show. through this random website's top Netflix. I binge watched the okay. heck out of that show. Yeah, yeah it's it good? it's a oh, it's yeah. a fantastic. You show. know what? I watched over break. What movie I watched over break? I think I told you guys I watched uh, Castaway. Yes, you did. Over break, so good. I've already seen yeah. it, but I just watched it. Again. So let's watch it again. Yeah, that that is, that, it's and a great uh, movie. Air Force One. I'm a huge fan of. I haven't seen that. I've not seen that. But hey, I like it, and maybe we'll talk more about it next week with some rankings. So yeah. should be cool. But like I said, that's our show. Thank you to everyone for listening. Happy early birthdays to Connor and Dan. Another Big Dan with the 21st. Dan Powers birthday. Oh, we got we got more. Uh, and yes, the kid. Matt, we'll, we'll, I was gonna see you next week. Well, we got a okay. show. Okay. May 12th. Okay, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. So we're almost there, but again, thank you for listening. This is Round Chipper on 89.1 for Matt Wood and Conrad Bayer. I'm Pat saying we will see you next week for the final show of the semester. Go Cats. Go Cats. Jeff Teague's an all-star. <laughs>